When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. On June 27th of this year, the Supreme Court issued a ruling in the case of Kennedy versus Bremerton School District. In the majority opinion, a 6-3 court ruled that Joseph Kennedy, a high school football coach who prayed at the 50-yard line of his team's field after games, had not violated the Establishment Clause of the First Amendment, which prevents American government from establishing or endorsing an official religion. And in fact, his dismissal was a violation of his free exercise of religion rights as contained in the First Amendment. Ian Milheiser of Vox referred to the ruling as a, quote, landmark decision. It was a significant victory for those that support free exercise of religion and religious liberty writ large. For those that support disestablishment and the avoidance of things like prayer in schools, it was a significant setback. Challenging gains won in cases like Lemon v. Kurtzman of 1971 and Ingle v. Vital of 1962. But there's another case that's mentioned in this opinion frequently that's the subject of our focus today. And that case is the Church of the Lukumi Babalu Aie versus the city of Hialeah, ruled on in 1993 by the Supreme Court. The case pitted a minority faith against a municipality in Miami-Dade County over the question of the First Amendment and ritualistic slaughter. That church opened its doors today, this day in Miami history, August 16, 1987, when the Church of the Lukumi Babaluaye held its open house in Hialeah and began its path all the way to the Supreme Court. Now, before we get any further down this road, I do want to make two things clear. I am neither a religious scholar nor a legal expert, but I'm going to do my best to cover both fields as we go along today. The first question we need to answer is, what is the Church of the Lukumi Babalu Aie? Perhaps it will be easier to start with what it is not, Santeria. While very similar, they are not the same thing. The beliefs of Santeria and the beliefs of the Lukumi Babaluaye are both centered around Yoruba religion, a belief of the Yoruba people, an ethnic group that is historically based in modern-day Nigeria, Benin, and Togo. This belief system also influenced Umbanda and Candomblé in Brazil, Trinidad Orisha in Trinidad and Tobago, 
and Haitian voodoo. All of these religions, including the Lukumi Babaluaye, believe in a supreme being or essence, Olodumare. This supreme being is assisted by hundreds of orishas, hundreds of spirits or demigods meant to connect humans with the divine. The difference between the Lukumi Babaluaye and the other religions I mentioned a moment ago is that the Lukumi Babaluaye are not syncretic. It is not a synthesis of two or more religions. While not absolutely exclusive, it focuses much, much more on the Yoruba religious beliefs. So what religious belief hybridized with the Yoruba beliefs? The answer is Roman Catholicism. Millions of Yoruba people were removed from their homeland and brought across the ocean in the transatlantic slave trade. While Americans rightly tend to focus on the awful aspect of our history connected to slavery, it is useful to remember that of the 10 million Africans brought across the Atlantic for the purposes of slavery who survived their trip, according to the Transatlantic Slave Trade Database, only about 366,000 of them came to mainland North America. The exponential growth of slavery in the United States was largely due to its domestic slave trade. On the other hand, the vast majority of those brought across the Atlantic wound up in Spanish mainland Americas or Brazil. In both regions, Roman Catholicism was the dominant faith, and it was governmental policy to convert both native populations and those enslaved by the colonists themselves. The Yoruba realized that there was a significant similarity between the Orisha of their faith and the saints of Roman Catholicism. And so, over the course of the next centuries, the two religions began to blend. The process of that blending produced Santeria in Cuba. It is really important to understand the distinction between Lukumi Babaluaye, which tends to reject the Catholic influence, and Santeria, which folds in the Catholic belief, as we begin to discuss things here in Miami. The second question to answer is, what did the Lukumi Babaluaye do to upset the community in Hialeah and eventually wind up in front of the Supreme Court? That question is much simpler to answer. As part of the Lukumi Babaluaye's religious practice, particularly its investiture of priests, ritualistic animal sacrifice took place. The Church of the Lukumi Babaluaye was founded in 1974 by Carmen Pla Rodriguez and her sons Ernesto and Fernando Pichardo. The trio escaped Cuba in 1961, traveling with the boy's stepfather, Raul Rodriguez, arriving in Miami's Little Havana shortly thereafter. Ernesto Pichardo took the lead when it came to public relations and community interaction. In 1978, Ernesto organized a three-day conference of religious scholars, Catholics, and Santeros at the University of Miami with an attempt to bridge the divide between separate communities. But Pichardo had bigger plans, and by 1987, he was ready to open what he called Florida's first public Santeria church in the Church of the Lukumi Babaluaye. For $1.4 million, he entered into an agreement to lease, with the option to buy, a building at the corner of Okeechobee Road and 5th Street. It used to be a car dealership. It would become the center of one of the hottest controversies Miami-Dade County has ever seen. 
Santeria was somewhat in the public consciousness by 1987. In fact, it featured as a central plot point in a season two episode of the 1980s drama Miami Vice. The episode, entitled Whatever Works, dealt with the death of two Miami policemen. The belief was their murders were connected to Santeria. What is this, some sort of get-even religion? Santeria is not about revenge. It's about spiritual strength derived from many gods. You heard there the unmistakable voices of Don Johnson playing the legendary Sonny Crockett and Eartha Kitt playing Santeria Priestess Chata. Pichardo had to know that opening the church would cause controversy. Santeria and related religions had a reputation. But two unrelated events occur almost immediately after Pichardo's announcement about the opening of the church that will change the temperature on the issue and the view of the community towards the church very quickly and very sharply. We'll get to both of them in just a second. But first, the church has to navigate the bureaucracy of the city of Hialeah. If the church wants to have a church building, it needs a certificate of occupancy. So while the city is doing things like checking zoning and the church's nonprofit status, Pichardo makes an effort to reach out to the neighborhood. It doesn't go great. And by the next city council meeting on June 9th, 1987, hundreds of members of the community are ready to oppose any sort of authorization for the church of the Lukumi Babalu Aye. Let's go back to those two important events I referenced a second ago. First, June 8th, literally the day before the Hialeah City Council meeting, a discovery was made in Chicago. What event in Chicago could impact decisions in Hialeah? Well, if you're a church that's planning ritualistic animal sacrifice, probably the worst possible thing happened in Chicago. This is what most people think of when the subject of Santeria, an old Afro-Caribbean religion, comes up. In Chicago today, police raided a home and found bloody animal caucuses, apparently the result of a grisly religious ceremony. Pichardo knew that this was a problem, and he attempted to mitigate the fallout by appearing on WTVJ that day. When we're doing a ritual of that nature, it's, it's under a very holy act by very well-trained people, uh, and it's not just for the sake of killing. That didn't fix it. And so Pichardo and his attorney, Jorge Duarte, would appear in front of the Hialeah City Council on June 9th, 1987, and face an unprecedented amount of opposition from the community and from members of the council. Sir, will you state your name and address for the record? His name is Ernesto Pichardo. He's Aleto, president of the Church of the Luca Sacrificing animals would be completely out of the question. It would not be allowed as far as I am concerned. My name is Julio De Silva. I'm chaplain of the Hialeah Police Department. And if we are to live as citizens in this country, we are to call what is sin, sin. This is an abomination. It went on like that for three hours. Eventually, the council decided to invoke emergency powers to pass two emergency ordinances. The first was a commitment to Article 1, Section 3 on religious freedom of the Florida State Constitution, 
which states that religious freedom shall not justify practices inconsistent with public morals, peace, or safety. The second, Ordinance 8740, incorporated the state of Florida's statute against cruelty towards animals. Now, if you're paying attention, you'll notice what these two ordinances do not do. Actually, fundamentally change law enforcement in Hialeah. It just took existing laws in the state of Florida and applied them in Hialeah. That was intentional. The city's legal advisor, Richard Gross, let the committee know on that night that the ordinances that they were passing were meaningless because the state of Florida specifically stated the slaughter of animals was permitted so long as it was done in a humane manner. Why was that distinction so important to the Church of Lukumi Babaluaye and to the city of Hialeah? Because if that stipulation was ignored, a much larger religious sect would be impacted. Orthodox Jews say the laws are meant for them. The kosher law is basically uh, a Jewish law for uh, Jewish people and for those who keep kosher. Following centuries-old Jewish laws, the slaughter and proper cleansing of animals is part of God's recipe. Right across the neck in order to expedite the, uh, the uh, slaughtering of the animal and to give no pain to the animal. So the city of Hialeah had a half measure, an ordinance very clearly expressing its displeasure with the church of the Lukumi Babaluaye, but no specific enforcement mechanism. However, this issue was not going away. Now, the second important outside event to shape this debate. Unlike the very real events in Chicago on June 8, 1987, on June 10, 1987, one day after Hialeah's city commission met and passed its first ordinances, a work of fiction premiered. Did to yeah, the kid in there. You said he found the body on an altar with a lot of religious paraphernalia, right? A religion as old as time. One life from each of us counts. Versus an unimaginable force for evil. This ritual's being performed now. The Believers, a crime thriller horror starring Martin Sheen, Robert Loggia, and featuring a young Jimmy Smits, premiered in American theaters. The subject, Santeria. The passion around the issue was not going away. It was only going to escalate. By the middle of July, the state of Florida's Attorney General weighed in and issued an official opinion that some folks hoped would clear the waters. The only thing that was clear was that the issue wasn't settled. It is our opinion, if they do sacrifice animals during their rituals, that they can possibly uh, be charged with a misdemeanor. The voice you heard was of Bob Butterworth, a legendary figure in Florida jurisprudence. While his reputation remained sterling, not exactly the height of clarity in the law in that statement. While these political fights are being fought, the Church of the Lukumi Babaluaye is still dealing with the city of Hialeah's bureaucracy. But eventually, on August 7th, it was granted its certificate of occupancy and the church could finally move in to the buildings on the property. Now the rubber was meeting the road. The church actually had a home. Would they use that home to carry out animal sacrifices? Ernesto Pichardo was not backing down. If that's the case and it has to happen, may it be. But before that conflict, a little fun. On August 16th, the church opened its doors to the public. 
It was a public celebration for the Santeria Church in Hialeah. The Church of the Lakumi Babalu Aye believes in animal sacrifice, but for now, church members offered flowers and candles and brought cakes and sandwiches for the party that would follow. It was this day that really served as a turning point. Within the next month, Hialeah would adopt Ordinance 8752, which officially codified the policies laid out against the Church of the Lukumi Babaluaye. The punishment for violating the rules? A fine of $500, a jail sentence of no longer than 60 days, or both. The Church of the Lukumi Babaluaye is not expressly mentioned, neither is Santeria, but the message is clear. The city has its eye on the church and its religious practices. By the end of September, another ordinance would be passed, creating a system by which members of Societies for the Protection of Animals could register with the city to conduct inspections of questionable facilities. Three days after these laws are passed, on September 25, 1987, the church files lawsuits against the City Council of Hialeah and the City of Hialeah itself, targeting both the members of the commission and the government of the city. Jorge Duarte, who had voluntarily joined the cause of the Lukumi Babaluaye even before the church opened, would craft and make the legal arguments on behalf of the church at trial. Those arguments would be heard by Judge Eugene P. Spellman of the Southern District of Florida. Spellman, a well-known and well-respected figure in South Florida law, had dismissed the individual lawsuits against the commission in 1988, but began hearing the trial involving the Lukumi Babaluaye on July 31, 1989. The trial took about a month to complete, and legal experts note the trial was rather unremarkable, considering the topic. Duarte argued that the church was targeted because of its perceived foreign nature, even though it had historic origins going back untold numbers of years. The city of Hialeah was represented by Richard G. Garrett, then part of Greenberg & Traurig, one of Miami's leading law firms. Garrett argued that the law didn't target the religion, or any religion, at all. It was a broad-based law intended to accomplish a few specific goals. First, protect the health, safety, and welfare of the residents of the city of Hialeah. Dead animal carcasses presented health risks. Please, Remember this argument for later. Second, preventing cruelty to animals was clearly in the interests of the city, and this law would target that. Thirdly, animal sacrifice posed particular dangers towards children who witnessed the rites. The city argued that viewing the sacrifice would potentially make the children more violent, and that preventing violence was clearly in the city's interest. On October 5, 1989, Judge Spellman issued his ruling. In a 55-page opinion, the city of Hialeah went three for three. All of their animal sacrifice ordinances were upheld as constitutionally valid. Both sides would argue an appeal in front of the 11th Circuit Court in Atlanta on December 6, 1990. But an entirely different case makes the likelihood of success for the church appear to be impossible. In the case of Employment Division of Oregon versus Smith, the Supreme Court held that the state of Oregon could deny unemployment benefits to a person who was fired for violating a state prohibition of the use of peyote, even though that drug was part of a religious ritual. When the decision was issued on April 17, 1990, 
The Supreme Court stated that states have the power to accommodate otherwise illegal acts performed in pursuit of religious beliefs, but were not required to do so. This ruling is issued as the 11th Circuit is deliberating on the Church of the Lukumi Babaluaye's appeal. Not the kind of influence you want coming from above if you are Ernesto Pichardo. On June 11, 1991, the 11th Circuit issued an unpublished opinion confirming Judge Spellman's decision in the case. Were the Church of the Lukumi Babaluaye, it would be the Supreme Court or nothing. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We'll hear argument first this morning in number 91948, the Church of the Lakumi Babalu I, Inc. versus the City of Hialeah. Mr. Laycock. Mr. Chief Justice, may it please the court. This is a case about open discrimination against a minority religion. The voice you're hearing right now is that of Douglas Laycock. He currently holds named professorships at two of the top 20 law schools in the United States and is considered perhaps the foremost legal expert on religious freedom in the United States today. I recently had the privilege to speak to Mr. Laycock about his experience representing the Church of the Lukumi Babaluaye in front of the Supreme Court. And that full discussion will be released as a special episode later this month. Mr. Laycock actually joined the legal team at the appellate level before the Supreme Court. But if I had told you that... I wouldn't have the chance to use the audio of the Supreme Court argument to introduce him. And that's no fun, is it? Laycock wasn't originally the choice to lead the appeal, but an unexpected conflict of interest led the case to his front door. Miami lawyers who tried the case, two of them were active in the American Jewish Congress, the national office there, which had a a full-time religious liberty lawyer in those days. He and I had recently met at a conference, and he thought this was an important case, but he couldn't take it on because the number two lawyer in his office was a big animal rights person. (laughs) Um, So he called me. So Doug Laycock and the rest of the lawyers on behalf of the church prepare for the argument of their lives. It will be the first time Mr. Laycock argues in front of the Supreme Court. Kind of a big deal. Oral argument was set for November 4th, 1992. And with just days to go, a curveball nearly upends the entire plan. Two weeks before the oral argument, I blew out my ACL playing with my kids. And I went to see the orthopedist, and he said, well, you know, there are two ways we can do this. We can treat it surgically, we can treat it non-surgically. <laughs> and I said, which one will have me standing up and off painkillers in two weeks? <laughs> um, and uh, so we did it surgically, and I was off painkillers. I was mentally fine by the time I got to the Supreme Court, but I was on crutches. So as Doug Laycock attempts to make one of the more important arguments in the history of religious freedom in the United States and faces down the entire nine-member Supreme Court for the first time in his professional career, he's got to do it on a bum leg. The, the, the 
finding of fact is that the city uh, firmly intended to prevent all animal sacrifice in the city. The, the city uh, adopted resolutions reciting that intention. Um, the entire legislative package was targeted at, at my clients. Uh, the threat of prosecution seemed, seemed quite real. And, and then they have complied for five years as a result of that threat of prosecution. The core of Laycock's argument was very simple. While this was a case involving a church and religious liberty, the actual argument had less to do with religion and more to do with equal treatment under the law. Every other reason for which somebody might want to kill an animal was treated differently. You know, they, they still use live rabbits to train greyhounds at the tracks in those days. Um, and that had been upheld in the Florida courts. And, you know, they, you, you could kill an animal because it was of no commercial value. Um, you didn't want to care for it anymore. Justice Stevens asked the oral argument if he could still drown surplus puppies in the bathtub, and the city's lawyer assured him that he could. Um, so as, you know, one of the amicus briefs said they want billions of chicken nuggets served, but not one chicken sacrificed to a god. And that was the focus of the brief, right? That Not that animal sacrifice is okay or there's no harm in the animals, but that, you know, there's not a harm that they care about. I want to remind you now about the argument I ask you to hold in your head, the one about health and sanitation that the city of Hialeah argued was so essential to these laws being passed. You're going to get to hear the two moments where you can tell the Church of the Lukumi Babaluaye has won its case. The first is through questioning by Justice Antonin Scalia of Richard Garrett. But you, but you don't allow that. I mean, you don't allow that no matter how sanitary, no matter how easy it is rendered for you to police it. You, there is not even an exception. You, you make an exception for slaughterhouses. You, you, you can have a, a licensed slaughterhouse where killing may occur because I guess it can be expect, inspected and so forth. It can forth. be inspected, but, it can be regulated, the method of killing right, can be monitored. But if you're talking about sacrificial killing, you don't even allow it to be, ju- to be done at a place, a, a temple, a church, whatever, where, where, where they say, come in and inspect. You want to come in and inspect, do it. Scalia points out that while the statute is intended to be general and applicable to multiple groups, the carve-outs created by the city actually him in the Church of the Lukumiya Babaluaye without really targeting anyone else. The second hammer to drop comes from Justice Sandra Day O'Connor with a very short cameo by Scalia. Does the city of Hialeah allow uh, people in their homes to trap mice and rats? Yes. They're killed in the process? Yes. And to boil live lobsters and eat them? There is clearly a prohibition uh, in the ordinances about the uh, boiling of lobsters. If you read the ordinances as saying, as I think they do, or any other animals. Uh, so I don't believe that uh, the you lobsters... Can't boil you can't boil lobster in highlight. I, I, I think that technically, uh, a technical reading of the ordinance would say that the boiling of lobsters is caught by uh, other animals mm. in your house. I think there... Uh, is an exception with What's respect to... What's the exception to, for the mice and rats? Where do I find that? The exception for the mice and rats would be in the uh, state statute with respect to um, uh, I ordinance. thought we were looking at the city ordinance. Hialeah was attempting to use its very specific ordinances to target the church while using the generalized carve-outs of the state statutes as cover. It wasn't going to fly. Santeria animal sacrifice. Some people call it barbaric. Animal rights advocates call it obscene. Hialeah outlawed it six years ago. But today, the Supreme Court ruled unanimously 
that Santeria religious practices, like other religious practices, are protected by the Constitution. That news report from Channel 7 WSVN tells the story. In a sweeping 9-0 victory decided on June 11, 1993, the Supreme Court held that the ordinances from the city of Hialeah were neither neutral nor generally applicable. They specifically targeted religious behavior. And because of that, the laws had to be considered under the rigors of strict scrutiny. If the city cared about child safety, animal cruelty, and public health, there were other ways to accomplish that goal without burdening the church of the Lukumi Babalu IA. As you can imagine, Ernesto Pichardo was thrilled. To us, it means uh, our freedom, which has been restored. Douglas Laycock was happy, too. Well, you know, obviously I was pleased. I, you know, I was not all that surprised. The priests in Lukumi were very much about what did Smith actually mean? And was it really repealing the whole free exercise clause because pretty much any law is neutral and generally applicable? Or does this requirement that laws at least be neutral and generally applicable, does that have real content? Does that prevent them from discriminating? That's what the case was about. And I thought that all nine votes were in play. And I, I certainly didn't predict that it would be unanimous. But I didn't think there was any vote that was beyond reach or that we couldn't possibly get. To this day, Ernesto Pichardo still leads the Church of the Lukumi Babaluaye. And the ruling still has significant influence over how religious liberty and free exercise of religion are viewed by Americans today. As the story of the debate over religious liberty and how religion influences the public sphere is written, the church off Okeechobee Road and its ritualistic animal sacrifices remain central players. As always, I want to thank the Wolfson Archives at Miami-Dade College for its wonderful collection of old Miami news video clips. I also want to thank Douglas Laycock for taking about 30 minutes out of his very busy day to talk to me about this case and much more. That discussion will be released as a special episode later this month. I really encourage you to check it out if you want to get a better idea of what it's like to argue in front of the Supreme Court and how he thinks this case and others will impact the Supreme Court going forward. It's really an invaluable discussion. I also have to thank David M. O'Brien, who wrote Animal Sacrifice and Religious Freedom, Church of the Lukumi Babaluaye versus City of Hialeah, which was truly invaluable in understanding both the church and this case. The book is available through archive.org for free. I encourage you to go there and borrow it and give it a read. I'll be including a link in the description of this episode. And lastly, but not leastly, I want to thank you, the listener, for sticking around for this episode. I know it's a little bit longer than we normally do here, but it's such an amazing story. I really wanted to tell all parts of it, and I wanted to make sure the origins of the Church of the Lukumi Babalu IA got a proper explanation. If you like this episode, again, please check out the special episode, uh, the discussion with Douglas Laycock later this month. And please make sure you follow us on social media at This Day Miami Pod. And if you really, really like it, please leave a good review on your preferred podcast provider. It helps other people find the show. And really, that's the very best thing you can do. So until next time again, thank you so much for listening. And I've been Matthew Bunch.
You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.